Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. He's a dear friend, gifted, uh, really a passion for the Lord, for people. I've learned a lot from him through my life, and uh, he's just a contagious man, and just so grateful to have him here today. So, Scott, why don't you come on up? I want to turn him loose, and uh, let's welcome him as, and hear from the Lord as he shares with us what God's put on his heart. Awesome. Thank you, buddy. So good to be here. Wow. When, when we reconnected, it was after a number of years but to think we've known each other 34 years, Matt, that's, uh, that's, that's a long time. We reconnected and we realized that we had a lot in common. We both married uh, gals from Ohio and um, they were both elementary education degrees, so they were both teachers. We were driving the same color minivan. <laughs> And then I got a new car, and he got a new car, and it was the same car, <laughs> same minivan. I don't know what you're driving now. I'm driving a Lamborghini. You got one of those? No, <laughs> I don't either. But maybe just by speaking it out in this atmosphere of faith, no. It's just amazing. It's amazing to be here. Thank you, Awake Church, for welcoming us and having us. Thank you for supporting missions around the world Thank you for standing with together for Israel. We're, um, we're 18 years old now. We, we launched in 2005. As a Jewish believer in Jesus, I had no grid for Israel whatsoever. As a matter of fact, like to be totally honest, I didn't want to have anything to do with Jewish ministry. You might say, Scott, that's a little odd. Well, when I was younger, everybody in Jewish ministry, to me, appeared really weird <laughs> because most of the people were not Jewish, but were acting Jewish. <laughs> and, and I was like, wait a second, what's going on here? And it actually turned me off. So when my, my kids were born, they, they, they weren't raised with any kind of Jewish identity, it's not, I wasn't anti-Jewish. I would, I would often say I was born into a Jewish home. My mom and dad, Jewish believers in Jesus from the 70s, both of them, uh, my dad was raised in an Orthodox Jewish home, very, very religious parents. My mom, a conservative Jewish home. By the way, over, over COVID, I, I did a DNA test, Ancestry.com, and uh, it came back 100% Jewish. So I called my parents. I don't know anybody who's 100% anything. So I, I called my parents. I said, are you telling me that nobody in our history married outside of Jewish DNA? And they said, well, we, we can't think of anybody until me. Ha <laughs> ha! I married a Lebanese woman. Woo! Beth, Beth is here today. Just wave, Beth. My youngest daughter, Olivia, is back there. Just wave, Liv. I've got five kids. Another thing Matt and I have in common. Uh, um, 
we had, we had four before we were 30 and one when we were 44. <laughs> and she's, she's the prize of our lives. So we've got, um, we've got four, four, five children, uh, three, three grandchildren, four grandchildren, five grandchildren. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> God's been really good to us. But in my latter years, when I say latter years, it's only been the last 20 years that the Lord's opened my eyes to his heart for Israel. And um, I tuned into your, your service a number of weeks ago when Matt was sharing on Israel, and uh, I watched it from start to finish and was so blessed that you are being led in such a way to not put Israel on the back shelf. Because God doesn't put Israel on the back shelf. Because God doesn't put you on the back shelf. <laughs> because when he makes a covenant and a promise, he keeps it to a thousand generations. And the interesting thing is that God chose one nation to be a blessing to every nation. We would not be here today, Jew and non-Jew alike, if it wasn't for Israel. He didn't choose Israel because he liked them more than any other nation. He chose Israel because he needed a nation through whom his son, the Messiah, would come to bring salvation to every nation. So for those of us who have an animosity towards Israel, and it's growing by the day. We've got to remember a couple of things, by the way, that stood out to me in the service. Amazing worship time, but the word that came from one of the worship leaders this morning, remember. And another word that Matt gave as he was standing up here, the word life. Today I want to talk about the God who gives life to the dead. Because this is so applicable for you where you are today. It's applicable for Israel where Israel is today. And I'm hoping to really encourage you in the Lord. So Father, we just commit this time to you. I say, I ask, Lord, supplement my human words with your spirit and be glorified. May we walk away changed, not because the word was good, but because you were here. <laughs> Manifest your presence, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah chapter 51. This is written to Israel while they were in exile. Have you ever received a promise from God and your circumstances are directly opposite of what you believed the Lord was promising you? Where, where you receive a promise that you're gonna be in a land flowing with milk and honey and now you're in exile in Babylon? What, what does that do to your, your heart and your spirit? I think a lot of times when we're living in the land that's opposite the land of promise, many of us could have a tendency to shake our fists at God. More than ever before, 
from the time that I was alive, more and more people are turning away from their relationship with God. I'm dumbfounded as as I go through posts on social media from people who were who, who said themselves they were on fire for the Lord, who now don't even believe that God exists. But why is that? Because they didn't remember the deeds of the Lord. They forgot in the midst of unanswered promises that God still cares for them. And that maybe it's the season of exile that God is preparing you for something that never would have happened if you were living in the land of promise immediately. The processes of God are so important. So now Israel is in exile. Listen to this. Well, that's the first word. Listen. (laughs) Listen. Listen to me. You who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord, remember, this is, this is written and spoken to a people who could be disillusioned by God. Who, who are living outside of the promise. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. These are God-fearing people. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry which, from which you were dug Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When he was but one, I called him, then I blessed him and multiplied him. Just stop right there. Remember, God was looking for a nation through whom the Messiah would come. Why did he need a nation? Because sin entered the world in the garden God, there's no death in God. You get that, right? As we were partaking of of the bread today, Matt so beautifully uh, uh, read those scriptures. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Satan comes to rob, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. What happened in the garden? God created man. He created everything That was good. And then Satan came. After God said, you can eat of any tree except this one because the day you eat of it, you surely will die. Listen, there's no death in God. The word death should have never been introduced into our society had it not been for an evil one. Oh, did God really say? Did he really say, don't eat it? You won't die. You remember the story. Adam and Eve partook of the fruit in the garden. And then the Lord himself comes down. And he's walking through the garden. And he curses the devil. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 or 16. He looked at that serpent and he said, One is coming that will crush your head. And that's speaking of who? Jesus. So God was looking from that moment on, how are we going to reverse sin and death 
so that people might have life. Remember John 3.16, there's another good 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him should have everlasting life. So from the outset of sin and death, God shows a people through whom that Messiah would come, and he chose Abraham. He didn't choose Adam and Eve. He didn't choose Cain and Abel. He didn't choose Noah. He chose Abraham. So now Israel is in exile here in Isaiah 51, and God's saying, listen, do you want to be encouraged? Do you want to know how God really works? Look to Abraham. Look to the rock from which you were hewn. So I want to just do a little survey of the life of Abraham today to encourage you and to talk about the situation that Israel finds itself in today. By the way, (laughs) we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. If you look at the first verse in the New Covenant, the New Testament, it says, Matthew 1.1, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. For those people who have something against Israel and the Jewish people, many of whom will wear crosses, they don't realize that there would be no cross if it wasn't for Israel. There would be no salvation if it wasn't for Israel. Am I saying Israel is a perfect nation? Oh, no. Their government is as corrupt as any government that's not being led by Jesus. American government, Israeli government, Mexican, any government without the Lord as its head is corrupt. So when we say it's important to stand with Israel, we're not saying, oh, just wave an Israeli flag and say Israel can do no wrong. Oh, they can do wrong. But the beautiful thing is, is just because they do wrong doesn't mean that God has forsaken them in the same way that he doesn't forsake us when we blow it. You you have to grab hold of that. It's the grace of God. When, when we bow our knee to Jesus and we, and we have a bad day and we say something we shouldn't say, God doesn't go, okay, done with you. Israel is really a picture of his love and mercy to us. So woe to us who write Israel off. Woe to us who say God is done with them. If God is ever done with Israel, he can be done with you too. And he never will be as long as we cry out to him. Genesis 11, I'm gonna read from my iPad here, only because I can blow up the the print. God's about to choose Abraham. And I want you to look at this verse in Genesis chapter 11, verse 29. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Sarai was... Next verse. (laughs) Sarai was... I was looking for it. I was like, wait a second. It says it in my Bible. Sarai was barren. 
She had no child. God's about to choose Abram in the very next few verses in Genesis 12, which we'll read in a second. He's choosing a man through whom ultimately the Messiah would come. Remember Genesis 1.1. This is the genealogy of Jesus. The son of David, the son of Abram, Abraham. God is allowing Abram to marry a woman who can have no children. Is that kind of crazy? <laughs> like if I want grandkids and I'm choosing spouses for my boys, <laughs> I'm going to lead him to the fertile crowd. <laughs> hey, pick from one of these and give me my grandchildren. There's something about barrenness. It's, it, barrenness is a picture of death, an inability to conceive, a dead womb. I don't want to make light of that word. There's many, 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 many people who are believing God for children who find themselves in a barren state. It, 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 brings, it brings sadness it's in a society where children are viewed as a blessing from God, when you have no children, you're like marked. What's wrong with you? But I want to say this today. God gives life to the dead. That when God chooses, he doesn't choose based on your ability to produce Actually, he chooses based on your inability to produce. Because if you're able, you can say, look what I did. When you're unable, you can say, look what God did. Maybe that's why he chose Israel. Maybe that's why he chose a nation that was the least. Maybe that's why he chose a nation that nobody wanted anything to do with. It's, it's crazy to me. Israel, the, the, the children of Israel, the Jewish people, and the Chinese people are about as old as each other as far as their DNA and civilizations go. Chinese people on the earth, 1.3 billion. 1.3 billion Jewish people on the earth, I think maybe 16 million. Think about that. 16 million, 1.3 billion. The Jewish people have more children than the Chinese people. Yet, the Jewish people are a fraction of the Chinese population in the earth. Why? What's up with that? Since the outset of time, when God chose the children of Israel, to be the nation through whom the Messiah would come, every force in hell has been out to destroy them. In the Bible, you've got Pharaoh, right? Kill, if it, talks to the midwives. Hey, if it's, if it's a boy coming out, drown him in the sea. By the way, I love that he tried to drown Israel, and how did he meet his demise? <laughs> anyway... <laughs> It's, 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 it's almost funny. Then you, have, 
Then you have Haman. Book of Esther. Let it be decreed that the Jewish people be destroyed. This is in the Bible. He goes to the king. He says, let it be. Listen, these people are different. They don't eat like us. They don't worship like us. If it pleases the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed. Destroyed? Who's, who calls for the destruction of a nation? The devil. Especially when that nation holds the key to world redemption. Pharaoh, Haman, Herod. Herod was freaking out when he thought the Messiah was born. You'll read about it in the Christmas story coming up. If, if there's any, what was it, any Jewish boys under the age of two? Is that what it was? Kill them. And then after biblical times, you've got the Crusades. 1200, is that when the Crusades were? 1100s, 1200s, 1300s. People walking into Israel, the Crusaders, with crosses on their shields. A sign of Christianity. They go to rid Jerusalem of what they call the Muslim infidels. And while they're on their way, on their way they say, let's kill the Christ killers too. So they march the Jews in Jerusalem into a synagogue, lock the doors, and burn it down. Under the banner of the cross. Fast forward, 1940s, you've got Hitler. Wipe out the Jews. Why? There's 16 million of them. What threat do they carry where you're concerned? Wipe them out. Israel, look at this. I don't know if you're going to be able to see this. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to find it. Hold on. <clears throat> I don't know if you can see this, but Israel, this is a map of the Middle East right here. Israel is just this black dot right here, surrounded by Arab nations, none of which want to see them there. The, the Ayatollah of Iran, Israel needs to be wiped off the map. What? You ever hear of anybody saying, we got to wipe Winston-Salem off the map? What, what's the threat of Winston-Salem? We need to see New York wiped off the map. Why Israel? Because God chose them. Because they're better? No. But because they're the ones through whom salvation and redemption comes. Do you know that Jesus is, Jew, is a Jewish man? I wrote a book called Jesus Was Not a Christian. It's going to be out on the back table. I, I was castigated. What do you mean Jesus wasn't a Christian? Of course he was a Christian. I'm like, excuse me, there was no Christians when Jesus was born. He was born in a Jewish home. He was raised as a Jew. He lived among his Jewish people. He celebrated the Jewish biblical calendar. He died king of the Jews. And he's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah. Sometimes I go, Jew, duh. 
It's like, let's get it in our heads. That's how he's coming back. He, he hasn't gone, oh, Israel, they're politically doing things I don't like. I'm done with them. No. So God chooses or God allows Abram to choose a woman who can have no children. Because God begins with barrenness. God begins with your inability and my inability to accomplish his works. Listen, Moses was very well able at 40 to be the deliverer that God intended him to be. He had a name, he had a position, he had muscles. <laughs> he kills the Egyptian, early chapters of Exodus, hides the Egyptian in the sand, it becomes known to his Jewish brothers. And you know where Moses ends up for another 40 years? The backside of the desert. Now Moses is 80. His days of deliverance in man's eyes are over. You know what he's doing? He's tending sheep. I mean, the lowliest of jobs. He went to, from being the son of Pharaoh's daughter, I mean, as high as you can get on the totem pole, to as low as you can get. Bah, sheep. All day long. With his little rod. And then at 80, God shows up in a bush and says, Moses, Moses, I want you to bring my people. By the way, say my people. That's how God refers to Israel. When you go to Pharaoh, let my people go. God possesses Israel. I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. You know what Moses said? Who am I? Who am I that I should go? 40 years ago, Moses would have said, I'm your man. Look at me. God waited until Moses was incapable, where his name was now not known, where his ability and his stature was diminished. Listen, I don't know if you're 80 in here today, but God's not done with you. Why? Because man doesn't choose you? <laughs> has nothing to do with your ability to produce. God is just looking. He's looking for men who, like Moses, will say, here am I. Hineni. Here am I. Isaiah, hineni. Whatever you say, I will do. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord spoke to Abram, go forth from your country, your relatives, and from your land, uh, from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Everybody say, I will. When God says, I will, he means I will. He does not change. His I wills are forever. Listen to what he says. I will make you a great nation. Wait, he's married to a woman who can have no kids. I will bless you and make your name great. You have no children. Your name can't be great unless you have a, what's it called, a progeny? Is that the right word? Sounds good. Is progeny the right word, Beth? I don't know. I don't know either. Okay, scrap that one. Unless you have kids and grandkids, your name's not going to continue on. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse, and in you... All the families, just Israel? No. Through you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Yeah. 
Do you know why there's anti-Semitism in the world today? Do you know why there's Jew hatred and Israel hatred? Because God chose Israel to be the nation that would bring everlasting life to Jew and Gentile alike. And the devil hates that, and the devil's people hate it too. I can't believe what I'm seeing. People responding with such venom towards Israel in these days. And by the way, that was calculated, if I might say so, by an organization that knew exactly what they were doing, hoping for Israel's response to be as vicious as it's been because the devil doesn't care about you, he cares about himself. Any demonic agenda is for self-preservation, not kingdom preservation. God begins with barrenness and then makes a promise. Let's move along. Wow. (laughs) Now, Abram was 75 years old. I thought I was something when I had a kid at 44. Like, whoa, I still got it. (laughs) Sorry, Liv. (laughs) She's beautiful. She's the joy of our life. 44 people were coming over to me and goes, man, 44. Abraham, 75. By the way, his name is Abram here. Anybody know what Abram means? Exalted father. That's his name, literally. Abram is Hebrew for exalted father. Imagine living with a name that contradicts your reality. It's like, hey, exalted father. Where are your children? I, sometimes I joke, it would, if my mother named me Harry One, people would go, wait a second, you got the wrong name. <laughs> Unless they looked in my ears, unfortunately. <laughs> got my little ear trimmer, and I'm, I'm like, oh man, what if this was just on my head? You, you live with a name? that violates your reality. That's, that's very humiliating. Abram, exalted father, yet he had no children. Genesis chapter 15, verse one. Genesis 15, verse one. I'm gonna try to zip through these scriptures here. Abram is now 83 years old. So this is eight years later, still no children. Genesis 15, one. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord, what wilt thou give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, since thou hast given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Listen to what Abram is doing. It's very important. Abram realizes he's 83. Sarai, barren Sarai, is 73. No children. He's saying to God, let Eliezer be the heir. 
That's how they did it in the Middle East back then. If you don't have a son, it goes to a relative. They're the heir. Let him be the heir. In other words, God, I got a plan. (laughs) I'm going to bail you out. And I'm going to provide you a solution to this impossible situation. Let Eliezer be the heir. Look what the Lord says. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body. He will be the heir. Never dummy down God's promises to you and never give God an alternative solution for your promises to be fulfilled. I remember early on in my marriage, I told Beth that I was gonna be fasting because I felt like the Lord spoke to me to fast. So she said, what what are you fasting? This was the morning. Well, first she said, how long are you gonna go? I said, I don't know. She said, what are you fasting? I said, water. It's just gonna be a water fast. That was at 8 (laughs) a.m. At 12 p.m., I felt like the Lord was calling me to a juice fast. <laughs> 5 p.m., a Daniel fast. Because this is, this is how we are. We feel like God speaks to us, then it's not possible in the natural for us to fulfill what we feel like he has said, so we change what he says. That's the Eliezer solution. God doesn't need an Eliezer solution. One's coming from your own body. One more chapter ahead, Genesis 16. Remember, why am I doing this? We're looking to Abraham. Israel that was living in in, uh, captivity without seeing the promise fulfilled. God says, look to Abraham. When he was but one, I called him. Check out Genesis 16. Abram is now 85. Time is ticking. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, Behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Wow. God said it's coming from your body. So here's a great idea, totally legal. Nobody's gonna throw you out of ministry for doing this back then. Here's my handmaid. By the way, when I said nobody's gonna throw you out of ministry for doing this back then, all I was, all I was saying is <laughs> that this was okay back then. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I, this, was, this was how people did it. They gave, they gave their inheritance to the closest relative. There's rabbinic writings that talk about if your wife can't conceive, you can do this and this and this. So this is all like legal stuff. Abram goes in, Sarai conceives, I'm sorry, uh, Hagar conceives, and Ishmael is born. I love Ishmael. Because in the midst of man making a choice that was not the best choice, God still has promises for Ishmael. Do you know that? 
that the fruit of a bad decision has promises still associated with it? Do you know that Ishmael was the first pre-named child in the womb in the Bible? God gave Ishmael his name. He cared. He gave Ishmael his promise. Talk to Cam and Susie about it. It's amazing. And there are people, Ishmaelites today, who are waking up with visions of Jesus at the foot of their bed and turning to the God of Israel. That's amazing. But for Abram and Sarai, the Eliezer solution was not the one. (laughs) The Ishmael solution, the Hagar solution was not the one. Look at verse five. God changes, I'm sorry, Genesis 17. Verse 1, when Abram was 99, everybody say 99. The Lord appeared to him, saying, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant with you. I will multiply you exceedingly. Just when you were ready to write off Abram Abram because he's 99, Nine, and Sarai, because she's 89, look what God says. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, verse five. Abram means exalted father. You know what Abraham means? Father of multitudes. Uh, (laughs) Excuse me, I'm 99. You just changed my name that I've had to live with for 99 years, and now you're giving me a name that's even greater than this name that didn't work in the eyes of man? Father of multitudes? I don't even have one. Verse 15, chapter 17. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, And indeed, I will give you a son by her. And I will bless her. She'll be a mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell on his face and laughed. (laughs) I'd laugh too. 99. He said in his heart, will a child be born to me? a man 100 years old, and will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Here it is one more time. God, listen, I know you didn't go for the Eliezer option, but Ishmael, come on, come on. But God said, no, Sarah, your wife will bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant. Chapter 18, verse nine, I'm just gonna fly. We've gotta bring this to a close quickly. Then they said to him, where is Sarah? Chapter 18 of Genesis, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Three guys show up at Abraham's tent. It's in the heat of day in the middle of the desert. Where Sarah, your wife? He said, behold, in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. Behold, Sarah shall have a son. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Listen, 
Not only was Sarah barren, but now she's past childbearing. If you're a woman, you're created with a certain amount of eggs in your ovaries. And once those eggs are gone, and when I say that, it actually, it's kind of cringy to me. I don't know a better way to say it. But when you're done, you're done. So God could, have, God could have done something. Do you care if I jump down from here? Is this okay? Listen, God could have done something. He could have done something with Sarah while she still had life in her womb. But he waited until any chance of life was done. And then he says, this time next year? You know why? Because God gives life to the dead. God gives life to the dead. You can read further on in the story. At this time next year, the appointed time, you know what happened? Sarah conceived and she bore a son and his name is Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. We need more laughter at Awake Church. And I'm not talking about laughter. Ha ha. I'm talking about laughter when God comes through to fulfill his promise to you. And when the devil wants to say it's never going to happen, God wants you to know, oh, I'm coming back. This time next year. I got to bring this to a close. Romans chapter four. Listen to this. Verse 16 For this reason, it is by faith. You know what? Can we read this together? Let's read this together. For this reason, loudly, it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all. Let's go. As it is written, a father of many nations I have made you in the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Let's just stop right there. Repeat after me. Repeat after me. We believe in God who gives life to the dead and speaks into being that which does not exist. Raise your hands with me. We believe in God who gives life to the dead and speaks into being that which does not exist. Father, I pray that you would look over this congregation today. Lord, those promises that you've made that are dormant in our hearts because we don't believe that you can fulfill them anymore. We believe in God who gives life to the dead. Thank you, Lord, for choosing Israel a barren wasteland and causing it to come forth as a fertile field. Thank you for choosing Abram and Sarah whose bodies were dead. Romans 4, excuse me for interrupting my prayer for one second. Abram's body, according to Romans 4, was as good as dead. Read it. Sarai's womb was dead. Mr. Dead, Mrs. Dead. This time next year, that's who God is. Father, may your word be glorified and magnified for the nation of Israel who one day 
will be life from the dead. That's what your word says in the book of Romans. Lord, for us, for those dreams, for those promises that you've made, Lord, we lay them at your altar. May may we be like Abram who did not grow weary in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, being fully assured that that which you have promised, you're faithful to perform. Lord, fulfill your promises for awake church in this reason, in this region, for every family, single person here today. Lord, may we not look at our natural circumstances, but may we look to the God who gives life to the dead. Lord, for Israel, we cry out, oh God. May your peace come. Lord, may Messiah come. Open the eyes, Lord, of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Give them a desire, Lord, to cry out for you. For the surrounding Arab nations, Lord, reveal your son. Lord, speak in dreams and visions. Be glorified. What what man says is impossible, God says is possible. Nothing is too difficult for you. In Jesus' name, amen. That for, for you, you know, if, if, as he was speaking, and there's something specific for you that you feel like God has promised, you've not seen any part of that come about, whether that's uh, getting married or having a child or something else or a, a loved one coming to Jesus or whatever that is. I just, could you yeah. pray for that yeah, for abso- all of us for those Absolutely. Things? Listen, if, if that's you, if while I was speaking, you were, you're, you're, you were just feeling, oh, if God could do that for me, I just want you to, to invite you really quickly just to come up here. Just come on up, whether it's two or 200, I don't care. But I want to just be believing with you. And for those who aren't walking up or standing up, would you just extend your hands? This is what the body is called to do. Thank you, Lord. Come on. We believe in God who gives life to the dead and speaks into being that which does not exist. Let's say it together. We believe in God who gives life to the dead and speaks into being that which does not exist. Father, look down on these precious ones today. Lord, I pray that you would infuse faith. Lord, the the enemy comes and says it's too late. God can't do it. You great God, you come and you say, I will do it. I will breathe life into dead wounds. I will give life to dead places. Lord, may our minds be fixed on you, the God who answers. The God who chooses life, there's no death in you. Encourage, great God. Encourage, great God. We trust you. When man says it's not possible, God says, oh, it's possible. We put our faith and our confidence in the God who answers. Come on, church, let's pray for these precious ones. Fill them, Lord, with with fruitful prayers. Prayers, Lord, that that would say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust you. I trust you, Lord. We're not going to dummy down your promises. We're going to believe you. We're going to trust you. We're going to say, God, though I don't see it, my faith is not in what I see. My faith is in your word. You keep covenant to a thousand generations. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we trust you. Open, great God, the windows of heaven For my brothers and sisters, we put our confidence in the God who gives life. Abram did not grow weary in unbelief. We rebuke weariness. We rebuke hopelessness. And we speak life, the life of the Messiah in every one great God. Answer from heaven. 
answer from heaven and be glorified. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We say, great God, bring the laughter to our households. As you answer the cries of our heart, we're trusting in you. May Isaacs be birthed. May Isaacs be birthed, Lord. Keep us from producing anything of our flesh. And may our hearts and our minds be fixed on the God who says, I will. I will. We believe in God who gives life to the dead and speaks into being that which does not exist. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.